Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. These are the MMA Minutes. I am your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me is Danny Gutierrez. What's going on, Sean? How have you been? It's been a long, it's been a long time since we talked we're, about some fights. We're finally back. We, d- we did an hour-long special. We apologize. we apologize for the hiatus, folks. We apologize for the hiatus. We've been busy. We, we had the hour-long UFC 200 preview, and now we're finally back talking about UFC 200, talking about all the the steroid uh, allegations being thrown around with Brock Lesnar and John Jones, talking about MVP knocking in Santos' skull, and we're going to be previewing the UFC Fight Night uh, card that is taking place in Chicago. Yes, we record. in Chicago so, uh, right here. So we'll definitely this be Saturday talking about those. Yes, at the United Saturday. Center. Yep, and so we're going to get into the steroid talk first. John Jones uh, was pulled from UFC 200 because he was flagged by USADA for a uh, for a who was just flagged in general on on one of his tests. Came out now that it was an uh, estrogen blocker. Two estrogen blockers. Two estrogen blockers, basically, sh- you know, showing that he was trying to stop something and and, and showing the stop of uh, him taking steroids. And Brock Lesnar was also flagged after the fight, and that was for both out of competition uh, testing and in competition testing. And they were the same. They they were the same. They they both tested positive for, for the, estrogen for, blockers. for estrogen blockers. Yes. and that was one of the one of the two that John Jones was taking. Mm-hmm. And Brock, uh, yeah, and Brock just got flagged. So Brock did fight and it wasn't pulled because they didn't get him soon enough. They didn't get test results soon enough. Uh, but what do you think this means for the sport? Ooh, that's a very good question. But Thank you. what it means for it, what it means for the sport is is you have to pay attention to what you put in your body and you have to keep But people... do you think do you think that's a thing where they're like, "Oh, I don't know what I'm putting in my body." Do you think that I think it, it was pretty clear that Brock was clearly on steroids. I mean, just looking at him. At John Jones, I mean, there was always been talks. Chael Sonnen's always been calling him out about it. Do you think that was like a, a bad supplement or, you know, with two estrogen blockers, it's hard to say it wasn't steroids. They're talking about testing tainted supplements. USADA has talked about testing the possible tainted supplement mm-hmm. that John Jones was taking. However, you it, it comes down to this. The people you train with are the people who are looking out for you. So the people who are looking out for you are supplying you with these supplements. So it's up to your team as well as yourself to let USADA know what you're taking so that they can let you know you can't take this because this 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 will be a violation. You won't be able to fight, or you will be fi- you'll be fined, you'll be suspended, mm-hmm. etc. So I think I really think that it was up to John Jones to let everybody know. Listen, I'm taking these new things. I'm trying out these new things. Are these legal? Are these okay? Is this going to prevent me from UFC 200? He didn't obviously he didn't do that because he was devastated at the news that he had failed the drug test, but. It was he put it in his body. He should know better. He yeah. should have known better. And before we get into what it meant to UFC 200, what do you think this means more for John Jones's career and and Brock Lesnar's career? Do you think Brock comes back first off, and then what do you think this means for John Jones's career? Brock Lesnar, I believe, should he's probably going to be on a hiatus for a little bit because of the fact that it, did he know about it? He should have because he put it in he put it in his body. And he he got tested twice, once before the fight out of competition, mm-hmm. and once after the fight, both out of competition testing, and he failed both times. So there's he's he's Brock Lesnar has to sit down and have a conversation with himself and see what's more important, the WWE or the UFC. For John Jones, it means that he no more slaps on the wrist for John Jones. I think he needs a two year suspension. He the six month layoff was not long enough. He clearly hasn't changed. He needs he needs to get he needs to buckle down. He needs to take his fight career seriously. Do you think that John Jones can be, you know still maintain what people still think is he is the best pound for pound fighter? Do you still think he can do that, Absolutely. or do you think 
you know, possibly with Usada coming in, he's finally, you know, getting caught for something that he was doing. I'm not saying he was taking steroids before right. this or, or, or this at all, but I'm, I'm just saying, you know, if, if this was something that has happened prior before and he, he was on steroids in prior fights, do you think that might be, you know, accountable for some of his success? You think it would taint his legacy is what you're asking? Oh, I would think it would completely taint his legacy. It did a little bit. It did a little bit. I think he that already makes you question legacy. Because that makes you question, was he on that stuff when he fought OSP? Mm-hmm. Was he on that stuff going five rounds? Because he didn't, he didn't look magnificent, but no. he looked amazing for someone who came off of a very long layoff. Yeah, and the thing with Jones, too, it's it's with his outside of the uh, octagon, you know, problems and, and his issues. Obviously, obviously, there's a lot there. Obviously, he struggled with a drug uh, drug issue. Obviously, there was a hit and run there, but that didn't taint his legacy in the octagon. Now, with a steroid allegation, I think that taints. What he has done a PED inside violation, yeah, a PED a, a violation, and that kind of taints it because people now question: Well, it, was this ever, you know, the true best fighter in the world? That's very, that's that's very. John Jones was extremely young when he won the title. He's mm-hmm. the youngest champion in UFC history. So, at the time, at the beginning, when he was up and coming, absolutely not. Of course not. I cannot say that John Jones put. PEDs into his body because he's defeated PED users in the octagon, which is very impressive for a young champion. Now that he's using PEDs and the tables have turned, he's got to be more responsible now. It's up to John Jones to to be more responsible. No more, as I said before, no more slaps on the wrist. He can't afford any more slaps on the wrist. As Dana White said, how many more chances can you give this man? Yeah, and and let's get into UFC 200 because obviously that was. The biggest card that UFC's ever put on. The last card that the Fertitta brothers as owners are putting on. We also haven't touched the the sale yet. Uh, but UFC 200, the main card taking place on July 9th uh, at, at the T-Mobile Center. The first ever event uh, that, that happened at the T-Mobile Center. Why don't you go in and talk about the first fight on that main card. Kane Velasquez versus Travis Brown. Kane looked outstanding against Travis. He threw two spinning wheel kicks ever Ever his first ever kicks or not his first ever kicks but his first ever fancy kicks his first ever spinning kicks his flashy stuff in the UFC and that was very impressive because he actually landed on Travis Brown hurt him dropped him a couple times and then finally finished him later in the first round and that was incredible because it was a Cain Velasquez that came off of a very long layoff being plagued with injury after injury now that he came back i i believe I, he threw himself right into title contention with this victory it was a very impressive victory i think without a doubt he's he's number one contender for that that belt after the stipe and overeem fight and and the, the impressive that's thing that's going to be a good fight too it will be the, and the impressive thing about kane's fight you know obviously coming off the injuries obviously there's always been questioning questions about his health but if you look at the stats 50 significant strikes to travis brown's six he dominated that performance. 90 strikes to Travis Brown's six strikes. Dominated. Travis Brown did begin to land at the beginning of the round, but Kane's pace just cannot be denied. His cardio is just cannot be denied. Kane just went forward and just would not stop, and that's what Kane does. That's what he's known for. He's a wrestler. He's got that no-holds-barred attitude. That's what got him the victory. Completely shut down Travis Brown. That was fantastic. And obviously, I think I, I don't think anyone's going to argue that he's the number one contender in the heavyweight division. Absolutely not. If Cain Velasquez stays healthy, he is the best heavyweight in my mind yes, in, in this division. I think that in most people's minds, it's just you know, it, it's can he stay healthy and can he you know avoid Mexico City? 
Because right. that, that, that's been his problem in his career, avoiding Mexico City. He's a, he got dominated in Mexico City, and just the injuries that he's dealt with in his career. Yeah, it's 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 hard to deal with, especially coming coming from a wrestling background like that. Usually, wrestlers would like to fight through and train through injuries. Mm-hmm. Now you're looking at a lot of fighters pulling out because of injury, because they've been ignoring it for so long, because they've trained through it with it. You can't do that anymore. If your body's hurt, you need to take two steps back and rest. Yeah, and and now uh, you know Kane obviously throwing himself into the heavyweight championship, you know contendership, uh, I guess bowl or whatever hat you want to say, mm-hmm. and. Jose Aldo now made himself the interim champion of the featherweight division, defeating Frankie Edgar in a decision, 48-47, 49-46, 49-46, a unanimous decision for Jose Aldo becoming the interim featherweight champ. This is the one we were most excited for. What are your thoughts on this fight? This fight was actually a very tactical war, and uh, what I mean by that is, is that Frankie Edgar was pushing a very high pace at the beginning of round one all the way up until round five, at the end of round five. For 25 minutes, Frankie Edgar put a pace on Jose Aldo. It's just that Jose Aldo was much more efficient. He stood in the pocket with Frankie Edgar. He defended the takedowns expertly, amazingly. Perfect, picture-perfect takedown defense by Jose Aldo. And his boxing looked outstanding. Jose Aldo, was very, it was very uncharacteristic of, of Jose Aldo because Jose only threw two kicks. Mm-hmm. He threw one leg kick, and then he threw a head kick, which Frankie blocked both of them. But they were very devastating. This was the difference in the fight, I believe. Frank Yeager was throwing a lot, and he was landing a lot, and he was changing levels very well. As I said, he was utilizing his takedowns. He utilized movement from both sides, back and forth. He he kept his center of the octagon. It was perfect. He had a lot of fast punches, and he threw a lot of kicks. He actually landed more kicks on Jose Aldo than Jose's ever taken in his career, ever. The difference is the power, the strength, and Jose Aldo brought that into the octagon with him to defeat the faster Frankie Edgar. Jose Aldo eleven shutting down eleven takedowns. Obviously, Frankie known for his wrestling, shutting down eleven takedowns. Jose Aldo looking returning to form basically. Jose Aldo again, like you said, more efficient with his strikes. He threw less, but it was hitting harder. He was hitting. It was more much cleanly. more devastating yeah, on Frankie Edgar. Much more devastating, like like you said, Jose Aldo returning, and now it's looking like a Conor McGregor. Uh, Jose Aldo rematch. Uh, we're not sure when because obviously Connor's fighting in August against Nate Diaz at 202. But we will that see. That fight's going to be incredible. We'll I can't see wait the rematch. For that rematch. And we'll actually hopefully get a true fight this time and not 13 seconds. You know, with Jose Aldo knocked out on the ground. That that was kind of disappointing. Uh, something that was disappointing because you saw some flashes of a great fight. Uh, but just ended up being kind of a kind of a DC dominating. It was Daniel Cormier defeating Anderson Silva in a unanimous decision, a 30-26 all across the board. What were your thoughts about Anderson Silva taking this fight on short notice because of John Jones pulling out? And what do you think about DC's strategy? Anderson Silva is very brave and very tough, and that just shows you what kind of person he is. The he just came off of gallbladder surgery. Mm. The form the longtime former UFC middleweight champion just came back from gallbladder surgery. Two months ago, he pulled out of the Uriah Hall fight because of that. He was in Vegas doing signings for a UFC 200 along alongside other veterans. He was just um, going there, go in there to watch. Yeah, have a vacation with his family. Yes, he yeah. was. The, he was there to 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 be a fan. Mm-hmm. And then the UFC called him and said, "We need you to fight DC, the light heavyweight champion of the world." And he said, "All right, I'm in." I think that shows. A, I think that shows you a lot of Anderson Silva's character. Um, Daniel D.C. Cormier is actually very courageous for taking this fight, too, because it's a fight that he could have lost, 
because Anderson Silva, as you said, it was glimpses of a great fight because of the fact that Anderson Silva was throwing a lot of kicks. Well, because Anderson Silva is the greatest striker in UFC history. Yes, that's that's why. I he mean, was throwing a lot of kicks, and he was actually throwing off DC. DC was landing very well with his overhand right. I don't know why he didn't capitalize on that a little bit more, but he was landing very well on, with the overhand right, and he actually had a very... Uh, powerful body kick that he was throwing but it was all from the right side he probably felt uncomfortable and that's why he took it to the ground but dc's dc he's that olympic level wrestler and he trains with kane and luke rockhold and a whole bunch of other crazy killers at uh, american kickboxing academy so you saw that when he fought anderson silva he was just dominant on the ground just suffocating on top and with anderson you know you, you talked about his character you talked about his resiliency and and you can't bl- say this was a, f- a poor performance from anderson like you said didn't have a training camp showed up uh, I think 198 pounds with a shirt and shorts on so when at the weigh-in he barely made the the limit uh to fight at light heavyweight and still he had DC wincing in pain he got him with a body kick right to I think right near the level liver around there and he had DC wincing and I, I got up and I was like oh my god Anderson might do this yeah I, I was freaking out so Anderson Silva anything could happen in the sport and that's what makes the sport so beautiful anything could happen at any 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 given moment and now I'm excited because this kind of shows that Anderson still has that killer striking in him, and it, and you know we didn't we didn't really see him try to finish Michael Bisping in their fight, and that's kind of what lost him the fight. But now it's kind of saying, all right, maybe Anderson still has some juice left, and if he has a full training camp and he has you know a, a true you know he, he he works on his game more at least the ground game and trying to stay off of it. I'm saying that Anderson Silva might, might might not be done in the middleweight division because that's that's what he was doing on his feet. That's what was impressing me. Obviously, you know, DC's the light heavyweight uh, champion. You know, one of the best pound for pound fighters in, in the world, showing that he can you know dominate heavyweight and lightweight, uh, light heavyweight. So you know, D, him going up and doing what he did DC DC was impressive. Uh, DC just playing it smart, and I I, th- I think him getting booed by the crowd was just kind of disrespectful. That was very disrespectful. When you're a wrestler and you're fighting one of the best pound-for-pound fighters that this sport has ever known, mm-hmm. you can't boo somebody for getting in there with one of the best. And doing what they're weak at and you're strong at. Right. These if It's... It's the name of the game. It's the name of the game. Exactly. I, I think that DC uh, seems motivated. I think that DC uh, will be you know, still retaining his light heavyweight uh, championship no matter who he goes up against, I, I feel, uh, unless it's John Jones. But, you know, DC's 37, and if John Jones does get suspended for two years, DC's going to be 39, possibly at the end of his career. Do you think that we will ever see Jones versus DC too? We could. Um, it, it, again, it all depends on John Jones's character and how he develops after this. Because John, again, no more slaps on the wrist for John Jones. Mm-hmm. This is the third time I've said that this podcast, but no more slaps on the wrist for John Jones because John Jones really needs to. John Jones needs to look at his career. Do you think he comes back and gets a title shot right away? Or do you think the UFC is worrisome about that and will put him against a lesser opponent, kind of what they did with Kane? I, I don't think for different give, reasons. I don't but. think they'll give him a title shot right off the bat because of what had just happened, because of the situation that had pre- mm-hmm. been presented to 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 Dana White. Um, I really do believe that John Jones, if he wanted to come back and fight again, I think he'd have to fight maybe once more or twice more before he actually fought for that strap, because he was already given a second, third, fourth fifth chance yeah he arguably sixth chance with fighting osp for the interim title Mm -hmm. he was the interim champion going into this fight 
does that still make him the interim champion? Does I think he have they to just, strip him. Does, does he have to defend his interim championship? Like, what do they do with the interim championship belt that him. they gave or presented John Jones that John Jones earned to get back to DC? I think it's just kind of a way to show like you're the number one contender. It's a very obscure situation. I th- yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think that I think that it's more. Uh, I think I don't think they have to strip him, or I think they'll, they will strip him no matter what. But but. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that we obviously don't know what the landscape of the light heavyweight division will be in two years because anything can can happen. Uh, but if it, it does kind of say similar, then maybe we see you see Gus versus Jones two for the belt or something like that. Or I mean, for to, for a chance to go at, after DC if DC's still the champ. But Alexander Gustafson is coming back. Mm-hmm, he is, and I can't wait to see him come back. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely see how Gus does in his return. We'll see what Jones does in his return. We'll see how DC continues his career, and we'll see how Anderson Silva can do. Back at middleweight, and and maybe he does have a career at light heavyweight. Maybe we'll have to see. Maybe he wants uh maybe he wants another shot at DC. He's two and one at light heavyweight. Three and one, three and one. Yeah, he is three and one. He at defeated light uh Forrest. He defeated uh Stephen, Stephen Bonner, Bonner, and then he defeated uh, uh the Sandman, James Irvin. Yeah, James Irving. So he he is three and one now, and he, he lost to arguably the best light heavyweight right now. So it's not that bad of a loss, and and he wasn't in a training camp. He was completely underweight. So you can't you can't you know knock that performance by Anderson Silva. Let's move on to the co-main event: Brock Lesnar defeating Mark Hunt in a decision. What were your thoughts on Brock Lesnar coming back? Whether it was tainted or not tainted, Brock Lesnar coming back actually looked really good. I thought he, he I thought he would utilize his strikes way more. He was very inactive with his strikes, mm-hmm. but when he got on top of Mark Hunt, boy, he boom, kept yes, boom, boom. he was trying to crack the coconut up. Yeah, exactly. He was trying to crack that skull. He was trying to do the Michael Venom Page cyborg on the ground to Mark Hunt, but Mark Hunt's got that really hard head. He's very he's very difficult to knock out. A few people have knocked out Mark Hunt, but it is very difficult to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, he landed on Brock Lesnar a few times, and there were glimpses. Of him blitzing against Brock, but he was he was very self conscious of that takedown, and you could see it in his style, you could see it in his stance, you could see it in his inactivity. I actually thought that Mark Hunt would throw a lot more leg kicks to stop some of the spring uh, from Brock Lesnar with those takedowns with mm-hmm. that crazy double leg. But Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar was very smart. PEDs or not, Brock Lesnar fought a very smart fight and very safe fight for him because and he was cut too mark hunt landed a few punches few good overhand rights mm-hmm. on brock lesnar's chin and you saw that because he had a cut right under his eye right yeah. above his cheek right next to his nose so mark hunt looked good but brock lesnar was better but brock lesnar was on a substance yeah like, like you said tainted or not brock lesnar still looked great and, and the thing is if if somehow he he gets off clean which he won't but nick i mean he got <laughs> he, he popped twice uh for the same sub- substance so I, th- there's I, I don't even want to throw a zero point nine 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 percent chance he, right. he, he somehow gets out of this. Uh, if he does get out of this, though, somehow clean, he looks fantastic. And I think that— I would want to see a rematch. I'd, I would want to see a five-round rematch I would to see a, an untainted to see what would happen. See, but if he was not tainted, again, r- r- hardly unlikely that he was. But he looked fantastic, and it was he one did. of his one of his. I mean, coming off a five year layoff, doing what he did to Mark Hunt, who was one of the best strikers in the heavyweight division, he dominated. The former two thousand one K one World Grand Prix champion, yeah. one of the best strikers in the world at one point in he, time. He dominated the first and third round, and it was fantastic to see Brock Lesnar come back like that and healthy. 
that's the one thing. He was he looked healthy. He looked happy, and it was really good to see Brock Lesnar do that. But but then again, it's like, well, how much of that was due to due, due to supplements? An estrogen blocker, right? Yeah. So and, and let's move on to something that has not had that much controversy around it because of uh, supplements or PEDs. Misha Tate getting submitted. Uh, by Amanda Nunez in the first round, a dominating performance. That by was due Amanda to strikes. Nunez. That was due yep. to her amazing striking. Amanda Nunez looked outstanding when she fought Misha Tate, and Misha Tate looked terrible. She did. Almost she... missed the weigh-in. Almost mi- missed weight. I think she passed out at one point weight cutting, and she just looked terrible. She looked terrible. I was watching UFC Embedded, mm-hmm. and it didn't look like anything was phasing her. It looked like she was, you know, kind of, kind of like BJ Penn when he fought uh, George St. Pierre for the for the countdown. Or the primetime, excuse Walter me. Welterweight. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it was for UFC 194. It was in 2009, I believe. It was a very 149. Long, it was a very long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Misha Tate didn't look good at all. Misha, M- Misha Tate, I, I feel as if Misha Tate was overlooking Amanda Nunes. Amanda Nunes had her eye on the prize and won the UFC uh women's bantamweight championship and becoming the first openly gay uh women's champion Just in the UFC. Openly gay champion. It Not was, even was, women's, yeah. History history was made on UFC two hundred. Nevertheless, no matter what happened, Amanda Amanda Nunez made history that night and it was very impressive. She her boxing just looked outstanding. She looked like a world class boxer out there. She, she did. completely picked apart Misha Tate on the feet, and Misha Tate did everything that she could to try and clinch with her, to try and take her down. It just it was just to no avail. Amanda Nunes just looked amazing when she when when she when she took that title away from Misha Tate, and now we have a new women's UFC bantamweight champion. And I believe that this is the champion who can stay champion. Before we get to that, because that's bold right here, I do want to say uh, I said 149. You said 194. I said 149. It was UFC 94 yes, that it was, it uh, was BJ UFC Penn 94. versus GSP. But the thing I wanted to bring up about the bantamweight title is ever since Ronda Rousey lost to Tally Holm, Holm lost in her first title defense, Tate lost in her first t- title defense. Who do you think Amanda Nunez will face in her first title defense? And why do you think that she can be king or queen of the bantamweight division? I believe that the UFC would pair her up against the winner of Holly Holm versus uh, Valentina You think Shevchenko would get it? We have to. We, or do you think we that have, we have, we have, Juliana Pena, who just beat Kat Zingano, might get it over Juliana Shevchenko? Juliana Pena did look outstanding and monstrous against Juliana. Uh, I'm sorry. And, and Kat has a win over Misha. So Pena beat, uh, just beat Kat, and Kat beat Misha and Amanda Nunez. So she beat the former champ and the current champ. So basically she's saying she beat the girl who beat the champ and the former champ. So that's I, I think Pena should should get it over Holly Holm. Juliana Pena's undefeated uh, no, in the I'm UFC sorry. too. Juliana Pena should get it before Shevchenko if Shevchenko beats Holm. Holm should get it if uh she beats Shevchenko on the twenty third. The Holm Shevchenko fight, I believe arguably is a number one contendership fight because of the fact that Holly Holm Holly Holm does not want to be the Buster Douglas of the UFC <laughs> just beating Ronda Rousey and then losing it to Misha Tate, which was a very close fight up until the end. Yeah. But I think I think I think that it's I think that that fight's a number one contendership fight. Valentina Shevchenko and Holly Holm will throw down, and I believe the winner of that could fight for the belt, or they could fight Juliana Pena for a number one contendership fight, a real established number one contendership fight, and then challenge Amanda Nunez for that trap. I say agree to disagree. Pena seven and zero in the UFC. I think if she, uh, Holm loses, then I think I think Pena should get it. I think I think that that is my idea. 
Well, you, you're saying four and zero, but she won three Ultimate Fighter. Uh, you're right. Fights. You're so, right. I, so I'm counting those. You're se- right. Seven and zero in the UFC. I think the Pena should get it if Home loses. That's what I'm thinking. I, I agree. And then maybe if, if maybe if Shevchenko looks good, then you do Pena versus Shevchenko for UFC or for number one contendership. But then you got to say, all right, well Ronda Rousey. Yeah. When, Ronda, when's Ronda coming Ronda back? Because she's getting an automatic rematch. Exactly. No matter what, she will be fighting for the title mm-hmm. when she comes back. If she comes back. I think she will. Ronda Rousey has said that she has confirmed that she will come back. It's all a matter of when. They talked mm-hmm. about November. I think November they said might be 2017 now. It yeah. could be early 2017 now. So we're going to have to see. The thing is that I think they would go home over Shevchenko. I think they're going home no matter what just because home beat Ronda. And then if home can beat impressively too, yeah, and then if home could beat Pena or if home could beat uh, Nunez, no, if home could beat Nunez oh, after right. beating Shevchenko, then you set up the rematch of the only girl that's ever beat Ronda Rousey versus Ronda Rousey. Right. So, so I think that's that's what they're trying to go for there. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think I think that I think that this bantamweight title is going to be flip flopping for a while. I think I think we're going to have to wait. I think that Nunez will probably lose it in her first one because I think. I think if she goes up against someone like a Juliana Pena who went to a war against Kat Canzano, Zingano, won a decision like that, Nunez usually falls flat in the, after the first two rounds. So I think that Pena, if she has a good camp, I think she can go five and beat her. That, that's my that's my thought process. Another thing about Amanda Nunez is that she's very intelligent. Her fight mm-hmm. IQ is very Oh, she's high. a great fighter. She's, she's a great an fighter. amazing yeah. fighter, an amazing athlete, a very explosive athlete. I think she I I think that she could go far and keep this title until she fights Ronda and even if she were to beat Ronda she'd still be one of the best uh women uh she'd still be one of the best women's bantamweights in the world mm-hmm. in the UFC ever and she she looked like it there were there were glimpses of it I don't think we've seen the best of Amanda Nunez I don't Her, think so either but I think Ronda's that good though that that's my idea the, that's you, my thought You talked about the first round ending in submission that was due to the striking and the boxing of Amanda. Oh, Nunes. she looked great on the feet. No, she was amazing, that, that, outstanding. They, they could have called that a TKO. Pinpoint, but, but it's just just because it, if that went on any longer, she would have been not, she would have been powerful. Down. Yeah, Amanda Nunes looked outstanding when she won the title. Don't want to take that away from her at all. Another female fighter that looked outstanding retaining her belt was Joanna John Jacek, defeating Claudia Gedalia in the UFC Tough. 23 finale and you know we, we talk about the women's bantamweight division where it's it's ever-changing titles now since ronda lost her title yana john check has been defending her title has looked like ever one of the, since ever since she won it from carla esparza mm-hmm, she's been looking on fire yana john check and now it's basically looking like the winner of rose namayunas uh whoever rose namayunas is fighting i think that most likely if rose wins i think that's most likely going to be uh yana john check's next fight what were your thoughts on the Gedalia Joanna John Jacek fight? Claudia Gedalia started out very aggressive. Very in this hot. Fight. Yeah, extremely, she was extremely, extremely aggressive in this fight. She really utilized the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu uh, black belt and her ground game and her ground and pound. She really utilized all of her tools. And she saw, won the first two rounds. She won the first two rounds, hands down. Mm-hmm. However, her striking wasn't there. And every fight, every round starts on the feet. Joanna John Jacek is a. I believe an eight-time World Muay Thai champion, and she just went 
after Claudia Gadadia. I She knew when to pick it up, and that's what jo- Joanna's known for. She picks it up in the later rounds. She picks it up in the championship rounds, and that's very important for a championship fighter. That is extremely important for a champion to get down. You it, ro- Look at Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler picks it up in the later rounds to finish you, to knock you out, to, 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 to end the fight significantly, to end the round significantly. Joanna Zanjacek did an outstanding job at defending herself, keeping her poise at a championship level, and just picking apart Claudia Gadelia from the outside with her punches and her kicks. It was amazing. One hundred percent agree. It was it was a it was a classic fight. That was a very good fight. I I don't know if that's the best fight of the weekend, but it's up there. It's, it was up there. It was uh, out a very of those fight. out of those three fight cards, it, it was a fantastic fight. Joanna Janjacek, one of the best women fighters today. I would probably say the best out of any division. You know, Ronda's still there, but Ronda, we haven't seen what Ronda could do. We saw Joanna go five. She probably could have go. She probably could have went ten, like John Inkin said. I, I think she could have went way farther than a fifth round. I mean, she looked fantastic, looked great uh, with her conditioning. And the other title fight this weekend was on UFC Fight Night. It was Rafael dos Anjos versus Eddie Alvarez. Rafael dos Anjos lost that to Eddie Alvarez by I think they called it a TKO in the first round. What are your thoughts on Eddie Alvarez winning? You know what? Everybody was writing off of Eddie Alvarez. You I was. And, you and me included. I was. For sure. Everybody thought that Rafael Dos Anjos was going to just run through the former Bellator champion in Eddie Alvarez because his last two fights, he didn't look too good. He didn't look... He didn't look like he wanted to finish the fight. He looked like he was just there to fight. But mm-hmm. Eddie Alvarez just came out like a dog in the first round and wanted to make a statement and prove that anybody who does come from Bellator is no scrub or anything like that or anything of the sort. Eddie Alvarez is the first man ever to hold both a Bellator and UFC lightweight championship belt. So it 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 was. It was it was very it was a very impressive victory for Eddie Alvarez. Rafael dos Anjos was a great champion. He defended his title against uh, Donald Cowboy Cerrone, but Eddie Alvarez was just way too powerful, way too much, way too explosive, way too much for R- RDA to handle. And RDA just I think RDA kind of got caught off guard a little bit. I didn't expect it at all. Like you said, we wrote him off. I completely wrote him off. I will a hundred percently agree that I wrote off Eddie Alvarez. Didn't think he was worth the title shot. Didn't think he uh, but, but, deserved it. But now we did I think he deserves but, it. But we did talk about his skills. Yes. I did touch upon his skills and how good his wrestling is and how heavy his hands are. And you saw both of those tools being utilized in the first round when he fought RDA. Mm-hmm. Now, his conditioning his conditioning is, is, is up there. He's gone to war in Bellator when yeah. he defended his belt and lost his belt against uh, Michael Chandler, the current Bellator lightweight champion. I think he could have done that for five rounds if he really wanted to, but he got it done in the first round, which was just as impressive. Eddie Alvarez is the new lightweight champion, and that was good for him. Very, for him. very impressive. I thought it was written in stone that it was going to be Dos Anjos versus uh, Habib for the title, and now that's obviously changing there. We'll see what happens in the lightweight division because you know you got Nate, who if he beats Connor, then that's going to even you know boost his stock there. You got Habib, who kind of returned, but just beat up on a on a guy who was not even a, a name in the UFC before that fight, and you got. Tony Ferguson, who just won uh, Tony, last that, week. That fight was amazing. That Tony fight was Ferguson amazing. looked awesome. There was a Lando. lot. There was a lot of fights on that card that was fantastic. That 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 UFC uh, fight night, McDonald versus Lineker. Great fights there. Uh, we're not going to get into them, but uh, yeah, great fights there. And, and you you called UFC 200 a disappointment sandwich. It had all the names, didn't deliver. UFC fight night, McDonald versus Lineker didn't have the names. But they definitely came through and, and definitely finished. That was that was a fun fight, guys. Oh yeah, that really. If 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 folks, if you guys were disappointed in UFC 200 and you saw 
the fight night between McDonald and Lineker, it was it, it, it what a treat. What it was fantastic. Treat. Every fight except maybe not every fight. There was only one fight that went to decision. That was the heavyweights. But every other fight was a finish. Every other fight was a submission, a KO. The main event was just we won't we won't get into the main card, but we will get into the main event, the premier card. John Lineker versus Michael McDonald, and this was a very impressive fight because Michael McDonald has fought for the interim title uh, when he fought Henan Barrow. That was a very close fight, and Henan Barrow just took over with his Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. But Michael McDonald's extremely heavy-handed. He is his he 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 has devastating power in his hands and his kicks, his knees, his elbows, and all eight limbs. Michael McDonald is dangerous everywhere. He's got very underrated wrestling as well, and he's got very good submissions. John Lineker is just, he's coming, John Lineker is a former uh, flyweight fighter, but he could never make that weight. He was always very shy of making that weight. Maybe he was 127, 128 and a half. He was just not cutting. It just wasn't cutting it. He couldn't cut the weight. So he moved up to 135, where I believe he belongs. And he looks small there, but he he, uh, he can fit he in. Pack, yeah. That little man packs some punch, I will Heavy tell you hitter. What. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Fantastic fight. If you haven't seen it, definitely go check it out. And uh, there was a Bellator event, 158, and you want to talk about knockouts here. Michael Venom Page. You know, Danny's been talking to talking me about Venom Page. We watched his highlights way before this. We I think we covered his fight once. And this is, uh, this is circling the internet, mainly for a celebration. But the thing I actually want to talk about is Michael Venom Page with his flying knee cracking open Cyborg Santos's skull. It was ridiculous. It was pretty devastating. There was a recording from ringside or cage side. Uh, it was loud. John McCarthy saying it was the hardest knee he's ever heard in the UFC. He's been refing since I think UFC one. I mean, he's John McCarthy's been around Big forever. Big John McCarthy's one of the best referees. Other than Herb Dean, mm-hmm. and he's, he's one of the best of the best. He's been around for a very long time. And Michael Page cracking open Santos's skull. It, it, it's it, it's not funny to laugh at. It's not funny at all, but it was phenomenal. It's impressive. It was, it's scary. It That's is scary. That's what it is because Michael MVP Michael Venom Page is one of the premier welterweights in the world. Not just in Bellator, in the world. He's undefeated 11-0. Most of his fights have come by knockout, and he just looks he looks like he's playing well, when he does it. People are saying, you know, people are comparing him to Anderson Silva, and I say, slow down. But then I also can't say they're wrong, because his movement is superb. His striking is superb. I don't, M- I, I don't want to MV- say he's Anderson because Anderson's done so much in his career, but it's phenomenal what MVP's doing. I will argue that MVP is in a league of his own right now because of the fact that he looks the way he looks in striking his fights. Striking-wise, I agree. Oh, God, he, my goodness, excuse me, oh my goodness, he looks amazing. Looked outstanding against uh, Cyborg Santos. Cyborg Santos tried. He really did try. He was he was trying to use his shoot-to-box Muay Thai, and you saw glimpses of him, er, excuse me, you saw glimpses of what weaknesses Michael Venom Page has, and that is in the ground game. Cyborg did take down Michael Venom Page, and he ended the first round on top. But that's what he needed to do to win the fight. And like I said before, every fight starts standing up. Michael Venom Page is just a wizard on the feet. 
He looked outstanding on the feet. It was incredible to see. If you haven't seen Michael Venom Page knock out uh, Chris Santos, or Cyborg Santos, not Chris Santos, uh, different different fighter. It's a different fighter. Uh, they ex- were married. They're now they divorced. They were married, yes. Uh, Cyborg Santos, if you haven't seen that, definitely check that out. It was incredible. Uh, the celebration, I think, was a little bit uh, a little bit in poor taste, but then again, he also didn't know he cracked open his skull. Anyways. Oh, Michael Venom Page is known for having those yeah. celebra- those uh, little standoffish celebratory Post fight, yeah, it was it was timely. Antics. It was a Pokemon. It, he threw, he rolled a Pokeball to uh, by Santos's body. I think it was in poor taste because you know he cracked open his skull. But it was in poor taste, whatever. but at the same time, after the fight, he didn't when, spit when, on him or anything like after that. After the fight, when MVP found out that Cyborg was hurt, Michael Venom Page was calling to the fans. Mm. Please donate money for for, yeah. for for his injuries, and Bellator has offered to pay for uh, Cyborg's. Uh, Medical bills, a hundred percent. I think, yeah, I think they got all that cleared up. But yeah, Cyborg's been nothing for Bellator. He's been good. He's been very good for Bellator and to Bellator because Bellator's asked him to fight three times within this year. I think he'll fight more times in the year, just because he's that freak. You think Santos is going to fight anytime soon with a cracked skull? Well, if he heals up. Cyborg's that type of shoot to box freak where he will go back out there I, the moment he's cleared up. I think to I, fight again. I think he'll take a couple months off. I think this is a. I think this is a time. I think it's a time where think he might this be, is an, an eye opener. Yeah, for Cyborg. I think he might be like, all right, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take my time coming back from this one. I think I think he should at least. Uh, but let's go to the main card of Bellator 158. Paul Daly versus Douglas Lima. Douglas Lima taking the win here, unanimous decision. What were your thoughts on the fight? Douglas Lima, the former Bellator welterweight champion, really wants to get back at Andre Kreshkov for what he did to him. Douglas Lima looked amazing against Paul Daly. Paul Daly was charging forward, and Paul Daly, Paul Daly is known, Paul Semtex Daly, I should say, is known for having heavy hands and devastating Muay Thai. Douglas Lima's a much more complete fighter. He's been at that championship level before. He fought a very smart fight against Paul Daly. I think he dropped him. He dropped him a couple times with very mm-hmm. hard, very hard counters. He's very sharp with his accuracy, very sharp with his countering. He 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 studied the game of Paul Daly very well in order to get that victory, and that was a very hard fought victory. Paul Daly did start to pick it up at the end of the fight, but it was too little too late, and the former uh, Bellator welterweight champion, Douglas Lima, just took over. It was just overwhelming, an overwhelming performance from Douglas Lima. Very for, impressive. For sure, and a lot of finishes on that UFC or Bellator 158 card, and I think they actually delayed tape that, which was very weird for this time of day. Usually they do, do live. I know it was in England, but still... Very weird Bellator did that, but they did put on one hell of a card there. And let's move on to the card that's taking place in Chicago this Saturday, July 23rd. UFC Fight Night, home versus Shevchenko. We're only going to talk about the co-main and the main event, but there are great fights on this, like the Fox Prelims, Frankie Saints versus Eddie Wineland, and you even got Alex Oliveira taking on Mutasari. Uh, that's a, that should be a great fight in the welterweight division. So definitely a lot of fights here uh, to look forward to. We're only going to cover the co-main event and the main event. The co-main event, Edison Barboza taking on Gilbert Melendez. Melendez returning back to the UFC. What are your thoughts on this fight? This is a very classic striker versus grappler matchup. Gilbert Melendez is, of course, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt under Cesar Gracie. He's a very powerful wrestler, and he's got very heavy hands. Edison Barboza is a Muay Thai wizard, and we talk about Michael Venom Page being a wizard, but... Edson Barboza has extremely devastating kicks. He's got very explosive kicks. You remember that spinning wheel kick knockout of Terry Adams? Spinning wheel kick and then look at Anthony Pettis' leg after they fought. The inside of his leg was 
blue. It was disgusting. Tony Ferguson had trouble fighting him, even though he won that fight. It was a very hard win for him to get. Edson Barboza is one of the most explosive lightweights in the UFC in the world. Gilbert Melendez is, of course, one of the best and the best because he was the former Strikeforce lightweight champion. He's fought the best of the best. He's fought Josh Thompson, Clay Guida. He's fought Diego Sanchez. That war with Diego Sanchez. War with Diego Sanchez. He's just been there. He's been in there with the best of the best. He's got a lot of experience, and he's got very good pressure as well. He likes to come forward and box or come forward, box, and shoot in for a takedown. Come forward, box, clinch. He's very, he's he's very economic. He's very economical, lightweight. He's a very smart fighter. Gilbert, Gilbert Melendez doesn't physically look that strong, but he's knocked out. He's knocked out one of the best of the best. He's knocked out Tsuya Kawajiri. He's knocked out a lot of guys. His 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 game is is to use his wrestling or his boxing to finish you. He's a finisher. Edson Barboza versus Gilbert Melendez is a very good fight. Yeah, Gilbert isn't cut like B- B- Barboza. Barboza looks like he's cut out of uh, cut marble. out of marble. Yeah, and, and Gilbert Melendez looks like he is a fighter, but doesn't look you know as ripped as as Barboza. But it should be a great fight. Who do you think will win this fight, Barboza or Men- Melendez? Well, this is a very hard fight for both fighters. Gilbert Melendez is coming off of a very long layoff. He's coming off of a uh, suspension, actually. And he's just he's just coming back from his suspension. Edson Barboza looked fantastic in his last fight. This is going to be a very difficult fight to call. I would have to give it to Edson Barboza because of the fact that, that now he's more mature. Now he understands, all right, I need to defend the takedown. I need to keep the center of the octagon. I can't let wrestlers like this pressure me and overwhelm me. And training with training in New Jersey with Frankie Edgar, I think, has really helped his game. It really, it really upped the ante on his striking and his grappling. I'm going to have to give it to Edson Barboza. Hopefully you're not looking for a submission in that fight because Melendez has a 5% sub rate and Barboza has a 6% sub rate. But you know, over 50% for both of these guys, KO-wise, maybe it'll go to decision. But uh, I think there'll, there'll be some hands flying. We'll definitely see a good fight from both guys. And let's go to the main event. we got the preacher's daughter, Holly Holm, the only girl to ever beat Ronda Rousey. She's 10-1 in her career. 70% of the time she's knocked out her opponent. And she's taking on Valentina Bullet Shevchenko. Who do you like in this fight and why? Well, Valentina Shevchenko is a, was a professional kickboxer, as was Holly Holmes. This is going to be a very interesting fight to watch. Holly Holmes was, of course, uh, she was a boxing champion, a kickboxing champion, and, a, and she arguably is one of the best women in the world because she is the former UFC women's bantamweight champion. This is going to be a very interesting fight to watch, and this is going to be a five-round fight. I believe it's Valentina Shevchenko's first five-round fight in her career. This is this is a very intriguing matchup. You, it's a striker versus striker, and we're going to see what happens. Usually when striker versus striker happens, one, one, one fighter or the other will intentionally try to take the other fighter down, try to take their opponent down and overwhelm them with their ground game. You might see that with Holly Holm because she trains with Greg Jackson. Greg Jackson is a mastermind when it comes to strategy with mixed martial arts. Valentina Shevchenko, we're going to see how she deals with the main event spotlight. It's going to be This is going to be a very interesting fight to watch. I'm going to have to give the win to Holly Holm because of the fact that she's already been a champion. She's world-class. She's the first woman to ever hold titles in boxing, kickboxing, and MMA. This is going to be a very interesting fight to watch. Very, yes. very, 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 it was a very close fight. I it, I think it will be a close fight or, or it could be a dominant fight for Holly Holm. I'm not saying that Valentina Shevchenko does not have a chance because mm-hmm. her striking is world class. She is a kickboxer, but 
I think Holly Holm could get it done with her experience. And we obviously talked earlier about the bantamweight decision. If Holly Holm wins this, I think it's like 95% uh, chance she will get the title fight against uh, Amanda Nunez. And I think Shevchenko will probably need another fight. It will be an impressive win. I think she'll probably have to fight Juliana Pena or like someone like Kat Zingano or Amisha Tate. I think I think she's one more fight away. I think it's most likely in... Uh, uh, in uh, what would contendership ranking? It's there's a there's an asterisk at number one. Mm-hmm. It's it's Holly Holm if she wins, and the asterisk is in case Ronda Rousey doesn't return. Then I would say it's Pena. And then I would say it's Shevchenko. Then I'd probably say Misha Tate. I, I think that's how the bantamweight uh, division shapes out. But that's gonna wrap it up for the MMA minutes. I've been Sean Anderson. Danny, is there any final things you want to say before we wrap this up completely? Actually, yes, I do. If you are oh. in the yes, I do. If you are in the Willowbrook area and you're looking for a live mixed martial arts event to go to, Total Fight Challenge is holding an event with the top uh, mixed martial arts gyms in the Midwest. So, if you are interested in looking at some very good fights, some local fights, hit up Total Fight Challenge at the Willowbrook Ballroom. It's going to be an amazing event. You got a date on that or time? Uh. July 29th. July 29th. So, so next Friday. So next Friday, if you are in the Willowbrook area, check that out. Total Fight Challenge. Challenge. Total Fight Challenge. July 29th at the Willowbrook Ballroom. Check that out if you do want to see some live MMA. But that's going to wrap it up for Danny and Sean. I have been Sean. And that was a weird way to wrap it up, but uh, that's going to wrap this up. We're finally back getting the kinks out of a, of a two-week layoff. But thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.